The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I'm normally not very um, inspired by the calendar, so to speak. I mean, that has been uh, frustrating to some in the past because special days will come and and you would think that you would gear up a a message or a sermon around that day and oftentimes we may be in the middle of a series and we just kind of keep chugging right along. But Mother's Day is, is so amazing to me because I think you can make almost any message fit for Mother's Day. Because, you know, moms are, are, are walking in such a godly role constantly that, that it's pretty easy to take anything from the scripture and say, Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> you know? But there's something specific, you know, when we were praying about the service this week and, and looking at, at, at what we would be ministering, the, the, the word that really stood out to me was one that I, I associate with moms. Now, we all have different experiences. Some have really great relationships with their, their mothers. Others maybe had challenges and things like that. But there's something that we'll see that is important in the Scripture to every single believer. And we'll all be able to agree that it is something that, that is present in a, a strong mother. I want to talk about something specific in the Scripture. Uh, but, but before we do that, I'll, I'll set it up with a little bit of a story. Now, I don't know that I'm a very gifted storyteller. In fact, oftentimes I think I have some kind of form of Tourette's or something. I, I feel like I choose the worst stories for the occasion that I can possibly choose. And some of the stories that I think are really funny or are really terrifying, you know, I mean, somebody's in danger or something like that. And so you have to just ask yourself, is this appropriate? So if you ever see me standing in a group and I'm kind of mumbling to myself, what I'm mumbling to myself is, is that appropriate? Should you really share that? And, and oftentimes, the older I get, the answer is, is more and more, no. You should just stand there and smile and nod and listen to what other people are saying and not feel the need to contribute. I mean, here's an example. So earlier this morning with the worship team preparing for service, you know, I mean, we're in a position where we're, we're, we're going to be in prayer and preparing for the worship service and receiving communion. And I thought that was a great time to tell a, a, a story of breaking up a dog fight, right? Not a very good time, bad timing. One of those times where I wished I would have stepped back and mumbled to myself, is this appropriate? Answer would have been no. But, but Mother's Day, you know, you get around moms and kids, and you get a lot of stories. So I've got, you know, my two boys, Lincoln and Maddox. Obviously, uh, my wife Ashley, she's, she's their mother, and we have a lot of stories that we can tell. And uh, there's some favorites that come, you know, and they don't all translate. Some of them, you, you know, you just kind of think are really funny or, or interesting, and, and other people may not find them so much. But, you know, there's a time in, in every toddler's life where they become obsessed with things, like things like, in this case, like chapstick, right? You know, they just carry it around with them everywhere they go, and you're looking at a kid and say, like, why are you carrying chapstick? You know? Well, my boys had a moment where they liked the, the chapstick, and they were always wanting to put it on, and it was just something that they kind of fussed over. And one morning, one of the boys comes to, to Ashley and says, Mommy, you know, we open this, and she takes the chapstick from him, and she pulls the cap off and, and just thinks, you know, I, I could use a little bit of this. So goes to apply it, and, and to her surprise, it's, it's wet. 
And so she looks at our son, Lincoln, who has a twin brother, Maddox, and says, you know, Lincoln, why is this, why is this wet? He says, uh, it got dropped. Well, where did they get dropped? <laughs> Maddox dropped it in the toilet. Where is Maddox? On the toilet. And, and, you know, you get those kind of situations where you have these, these moments. And by the way, I don't think we kissed for like a week after that, you know. <laughs> you, you break out the Lysol often, you know. But moms are, are so equipped to walk through these bizarre, odd, and just goofy scenarios. that you, you, you get some that are funny. You get some maybe not so much. But there's something about uh, what makes up a mom that I see in the Scripture, and I want to talk about it today. Now, it's not gender specific. It's not limited to moms. Everybody needs this, but I just see a lot of it in moms, so I think it's helpful to present it on a Mother's Day. So as we get into the Word, there's a few things that we're going to find. Uh, if you want to write these down, you can. I, I love note-taking because, you know, my memory uh, gets, gets overloaded, you know, capacity met, and, and normally I need to have storage through Friday and by Monday afternoon, some good weeks Tuesday, I'm already full. So, so being able to write things down so you can revisit it is really helpful. Uh, but there's a few things that we're going to take down here. And if, you, if you'd like, uh, you can take these down. We'll find them as we get into the Word. Uh, one is going to be how high Jesus sets the bar for our lives. How high Jesus sets the bar for our lives. I mean, we'll, we'll read in the Scripture. We'll see that. We've, we've looked at it before, but we're going to look at it again how high he sets the bar for our lives. And another thing we're going to find is what is necessary in order for us to be fruitful. You have a call upon your life to be fruitful, to be productive, to, to, to produce. And, and for me, it's something that I see in the Word. I have uh, roots and a background in agriculture. I, I grew up loving farming. And, and so there's a drive in me to, to be fruitful, to be productive, to actually produce. And I think every person has that drive in different measures. The Word gives a, a calling on our lives to be fruitful, and we're going to see what's necessary in order to, to walk in that calling. And then a, a third thing that we're going to find is the proper perspective for problems. I think I, I had the anointing of Dr. Seuss fall upon me in that moment. The proper perspective for problems. Don't ask me to say that really fast. But we all deal with things. I mean, there are, are challenges and issues that, that rise up in our lives. Oftentimes, we just refer to them as problems. And there's a, a proper perspective that we need to take when we face those kinds of things. Uh, and, and when we're properly equipped to face those things in the right way, we get a, a much different result than when things like panic set in and, and rule the moment. So as we get into the word here, I want to jump right into that first thing we said we'd find how high Jesus sets the bar for our lives. So I want you to, to join with me in using your imagination for a moment. I mean, God gave you your imagination, and, and it, he gave it to you for a reason and a purpose, a, a good and righteous reason and purpose. And when we rightly apply our imagination, there are powerful things that can, can result. So I want you to just think about being present 2,000 years ago in the Middle East in a large crowd of people who are listening to a man preach, and the man's name is Yeshua or, or Jesus. And you're there in that crowd, and, and you know, you've got to 
have some fun with your imagination. I mean, if you're standing there in the Middle East and it's 2,000 years ago, it's probably going to be daytime because they didn't have stadiums with lights and things like that. And daytime in the Middle East is probably going to be a little on the warm side, right? So you can kind of put yourself in the crowd and in the moment. And you're listening to the man preach, and he's bringing the most profound messages you've ever heard in your life. Though there's, there's nothing spectacular about his eloquence or his vocabulary, the words that he speaks seem to have a, a massive effect on how you, you feel about life. When he's speaking, you, you feel your heart be uh, encouraged and you feel your mind being transformed and renewed you're beginning to see things in a completely different way than you've ever seen them before and you're hearing him speak these words as he's preaching these words he comes to the place where there's a conclusion that is on the way and as he begins to wrap up his message as you've sat and you've listened in the crowd you hear him conclude his message with these words You can find these words in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 48. Jesus says, therefore, meaning he's he's given the reason for all of these messages, all of these words, everything that he's spoken, everything that has has uplifted your heart and, and, and had an effect on your mind, everything that has you at this pinnacle of encouragement and excitement. Therefore, you shall be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So a a proper or literal translation there would be mature. You'll be mature like God is mature. Now, I want to just ask you, does that sound like it belongs in our culture today? I mean, it's a real challenge, isn't it? When you read those words, now those are Jesus' words, they're not mine. And, and I'm glad they're not mine because they would be met with a lot of opposition if they were mine. I mean, we live in a culture that is founded upon the, the, the cultural reference or the statement that nobody's, nobody's perfect, yeah. And yet Jesus would preach and he would bring the word of God into our lives and then say, now therefore, be perfect, just like your heavenly father is perfect. So I offer that, not tongue-in-cheek, but I offer it with great interest that Jesus is setting the bar at the level of perfection. Now, by faith, we walk in His perfection, which is what's really wonderful. Because the, the statement in the world is true. We do have these challenges, these failures where we, we miss the mark and we have these, these needs for someone to fill in the gap and praise God that someone for us is Jesus Christ. But as Jesus is setting the bar for our lives, introducing the word of God, he doesn't preach that message and then say, hey, now you got a better chance of making it, so go give it your best there, kid. But he says, hey, listen, I'm giving you what you need to live a mature life. Go now and be perfect just as God is perfect. Now, it's not meant to set this this mark for our lives that we are perpetually measuring ourselves by and being disappointed, but rather it's communicating the power and the potency of the Word of God that's coming into my life. When we come together and I say I'm excited to get into the Word this morning, I mean that because when I hear Jesus deliver the Word and then say, now go be perfect, what that tells me is that Word of God has the power to bring maturity and perfection into my life when rightly applied. When I can take the Word of God And I can allow the word of God to shape and mold my heart, my mind, have an effect on my decisions. I can expect 
a very heavenly result. So it's really a point of encouragement that Jesus would deliver the word and then confirm that the word itself has all that we would need to bring into existence the maturity that we're called to walk in. Now, I have to ask myself, how does that work? I mean, what is it about the Word of God that's going to bring this perfection into existence? What's, what's necessary to make that happen? Because I've been in a lot of church services, and I don't really feel perfect just quite yet. And if you were to ask my wife, hey, is Preston mature? I'm not sure what answer you would get, but I don't think it would be, oh, absolutely. Don't feel bad for me. I want to give you a passage of Scripture from the book of James. James chapter 1, verse 4. It's, it's going to talk about something that is going to be the foundation for where we're going with this. Because it involves perfection, I mean, if Jesus is revealing to us that this maturity, this, this perfect result is, is, is what the Word is bringing into our lives through this process of, of consecration and discipleship, I want to see the, how that process works so that I can cooperate with it, so that I can move in tandem with what God's doing and not resist it whether it's intentional or by accident, I want to be in agreement with what God's doing, not pushing against it. And I don't want to be successful just by accident, even though that's still success. I'd like to be in participation with what God's doing to see these great things come to pass in our lives. So the, the book of James, chapter 1, verse 4, it reads like this. Let patience have her perfect work, that you might be perfect, complete, and wanting nothing. It's an interesting passage of Scripture, and, and we'll, we'll look at it and, and break it down here. Let patience have her perfect work, that you might be perfect, that you might be complete and in want of nothing. So if I were to step in here and say, hey, this morning, I want to offer something to you from the Scripture. I want to offer that your life could be described as perfect, that your life could be described as complete, and that your life could be described as lacking nothing. Would you be interested in, in receiving what it takes for that to describe your life? I think everyone, me first, I would be throwing wild elbows to get at the front of that line. I would say, I, I want that. And what I see here is that for that to come to pass in my life, there's a need for something, and that something is patience. Um, we're, we're ministering this word on a Mother's Day, and I think one of the, the reasons why the, the word is in my heart is I see patience as a very important attribute to moms when they're raising children and putting up with husbands who aren't quite mature. You know who you are. But patience is really important. And, and you know, do you think it's interesting that James, when he's writing about patience, describes patience as her? I mean, I think that's kind of funny. I just think it is. Now, I know that we're living in a culture where, where pronouns are under attack and all kinds of gender-specific things are, are controversial, but if we can't laugh about that, what can we laugh about? You know, that James would identify patience, and he would immediately identify patience as a woman. But patience in our lives has the ability to bring about an effect, an effect that's described as perfect, complete, and without any kind of lack. 
So then I want to find out then what, what is patience? I want to know what patience is. If patience can bring into existence in my life this result that's so desirable, I want to understand what it is. So oftentimes when we go to understand a word like that, we, we don't uh, go very far, but we just turn to the dictionary. If I had a library that could only consist of a few books, I would want my Bible, I would want a concordance, and I would want a dictionary. Because it's very hard to understand what the word says if we don't understand the words that make up the word. So we turn to the dictionary and we look up patience. Now you know the dictionary game. We've played it before. Where I think somebody's really sarcastic that's working for Webster. You know, hey, I'll help you with your dictionary project. And this guy's just a real piece of work, right? So as he's writing down definitions, he knows he's going to mess with people. So the word patience, you turn to the dictionary and you look it up. And it says, being patient. Did that help you with the definition at all? Patience, by definition, means being patient. So then you have to go to another word. You look up the word patient, and it's there that we're going to find really what we're looking for. The word patient, by definition, able to, 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 to accept or tolerate delays, problems, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. Here's, here's a, a, a second definition. It's very similar. Able to accept or tolerate delays, problems, trouble, or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. They're, they're, they're all really close. But when you consider the word patience, or patient, excuse me, what you see here is it's, it's a skill, it's an ability to handle these undesirable scenarios without those undesirable scenarios bringing you to a point of anxiety or anger. I would want that in a mom. Happy Mother's Day, all you moms, and may the Lord bless you to deal with all of these undesirable scenarios that you could accept delays, problems, trouble, and suffering without getting mad. I have a great mother who... who endured many things without getting mad. On occasion, though, whatever she could reach was what I got hit with, all right? I mean, you, you had those situations that took place when you were kids. And, and God bless parents. They, they do their best, and they do what they know to do. Uh, I did get smacked with a few things that were handy and nearby. And then as the kid, you know, you would think you would know better, where you just tough it out, you know, and move on to what's next. Don't say that didn't hurt, okay? So just, that's just a little note. Don't ever say that because, yeah, it's just a bad move. But when we're being patient, we're, we're walking in the skill or the ability to endure these delays, these problems, this suffering, this trouble without letting anxiety or anger prevail. Anxiety or anger would compromise our response, when anxiety or anger overcomes our ability to make choices and decisions out of grace and out of, of, of endurance and out of patience itself, that's when a compromised choice or decision to respond or to react with uh, uh, rejection or even with violence or any other undesirable or unproductive method, that's when those things are released. Really, patience is that protective barrier to keep us functioning and behaving as God would call us to and protect us from functioning, behaving, and behaving, excuse me, like absolute heathens that we could be. 
if we don't walk in the manner in which we've been called to walk. So I want to give you a passage of Scripture here. If, if being patient means that we have the capacity to, to endure uh, and to tolerate delays and trouble and suffering without getting angry, let me give you a passage of Scripture why that's important. James 1.20. James 1.20 says that anger will never accomplish the righteousness of God. Anger will never accomplish the righteousness of God. You know, I, I'll take a little bit of liberty with that passage. I won't change its meaning, but I, I just want to make it a, a little more easy to adapt to my vocabulary. And basically, it's saying that anger will never do what God wants. In any situation or any circumstance, if anger is leading, if anger is captaining the ship, so to speak, you're not going to go where God's taking you. Because anger will never accomplish the righteousness of God. So no wonder patience is so important. No wonder it's necessary that we be able to walk through uncomfortable and undesirable scenarios without getting angry. It makes me want to pray and to seek God for more patience in my life. And then there's the, the other definition that didn't use the word angry, but used the word annoyed or anxious. How, how many of you have ever been annoyed? I mean, come on, every hand would fly up if we were really seriously answering that question. I mean, I get annoyed. I got annoyed this morning. I mean, it just is something that's very easy to fall into. Things don't go our way. Things are, are uh, functioning and operating different than we expected them to and it produces annoyance. It could produce worry or anxiety. But patience would call us to live our lives free from that worry or that anxiety or that annoyance by being able to accept or tolerate the things that are trying to bring that anxiety into our lives. I want to give you a couple of passages of Scripture that apply there. From Philippians chapter 4, I want to read verses 4 through 9. Philippians 4, beginning in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be made known to all, that the Lord is near. And then you have this call in verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It goes on to tell us what to focus on, to focus on the things that are honorable, that are pure, that are right. That when we focus on these things that are indeed of the kingdom of God and of Jesus Christ himself, that when we focus on these things, that the God of peace is with us, that the God of peace is near. And for you, for me, as we look upon this word, what we see here is the, the call to be anxious for nothing. If I know that the definition of patience means being able to endure or tolerate undesirable circumstances without being anxious, I could alter the words in this passage of Philippians without altering the meaning. Rather than say, be anxious for nothing, I could simply say, be patient. If being patient means not being anxious, then those two things are interchangeable. And I can see to live the life that God's called me to live, a life free from anxiety, is going to require me to have a life filled with patience. 
So we deal with things that are annoying. We deal with opportunities for annoyance and anxiety. I want to give you a couple of passages of Scripture of how to deal with the anxiety that's already present. Because we could prevent anxiety from entering into our lives with patience. But what do you do with the anxiety that's already there? Psalm 94 verse 19, it reads like this. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your consolations delight my soul. So sometimes when we read the scripture like this, it's important to just slow down and ask, what does that mean? Because if we're not careful, passages of Scripture can become no more effective than fortune cookies, you know? I mean, you just read through it, and it really doesn't have any depth or or application. And though it's encouraging in the moment, there's no long-lasting effect. But when I look at this and I ask myself, what does that mean? I can open the door for an effect that can take place. First of all, it's saying that when my anxious thoughts multiply within me. Well, that's a comfort to me to know that the psalmist who's filled with the Holy Spirit, who's inspired and is writing out what is the Scripture, the Word of God, under that inspiration, he's able to say, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me. I don't feel like such a weirdo now when I deal with anxious thoughts. I don't feel like a failure. I don't feel like an outcast. What I realize is that's a normal thing. It's a normal thing for me to be driving down the street and all of a sudden have all of these thoughts just take off multiplying and bubbling over. Thoughts of concern, thoughts of worry, thoughts that are even fearful. Now the question is, what do I do with those things? When my mind begins to race and those anxious thoughts begin to multiply within me, this passage of scripture says that the consolations of God or his consolations delight my soul. I want to ask you something. When was the last time you used the word consolation? I mean, when I hear that word, I think somebody just lost a game show, right? Like you spun the wheel. Sorry, you're going home. But we have these lovely consolation prizes for you, right? I mean, consolation is this introduction of comfort. It's... There too, based on the word console, through this situation that's difficult or undesirable. And the fact that God provides consolation into our life, based on this passage of Scripture, is a delight to our soul. So when I look at the Scripture, I begin to see that the words God is speaking to me and and about me are meant to bring about this effect that is described as consolation. I'll give you a passage of Scripture. It's one that, that I lean on. If, if you wanted to have something that you wrote out that you maybe stuck on your, your rearview mirror in your car or that you put in front of your eyes, I think this is a great word of consolation from God. Isaiah 41, I want to see verses 9 and 10. So it's God speaking and he's speaking to you. And when God is speaking to you, these are the words that he has for you. I have chosen you and I have not rejected you. Do not fear, for I'm with you. Do not anxiously look around you, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you, and surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now that's some serious consolation. The idea that God will bring about help and assistance in our time of need, that should bring about the comfort that causes those multiplying anxious thoughts to fade away. 
I'll give you a passage of Scripture here from 1 Peter chapter 5. It's verses 6 and 7. It's a call to walk humbly. It says, Therefore, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. All of these consolations are the result that God simply loves you. He cares about your life and your well-being, and the comfort that results from that drives out fear and anxiety. We need to have that fixed in our hearts and in our minds, and we need to be prepared to offer that to one another, to remind each other, to build each other up that God is near, that He's present. To be an encouragement to one another is to open the door for God's consolation and to close the door to anxiety. So patience has a source. If patience means being able to endure uncomfortable scenarios without becoming anxious or angry, I want to have patience in my life, and it's got a source. Romans 15.5 identifies God as the God of patience. I mean, there's a lot of things that, that God has identified himself by. I think this is really interesting. <clears throat> Excuse me. Patience uh, or, or of could be a, a descriptive uh, phrase there used to describe that God is patient. You know, he's the God of patience. It can also be pos- possessive. I mean, this is my Bible, so you could say that's Preston's Bible, or you could say that's the Bible of, of Preston. That belongs to him. We don't really talk that way. It's kind of a weird way to say it. But when we consider that God is the God of patience, I'd like to take that on in my mind, that it, it's an indication that patience belongs to God. I mean, he possesses patience. So if I'm going to pursue patience and desire patience be in my life, he is the source. In fact, patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. From Galatians 5, beginning in verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things that the Spirit of God active in our lives is bringing into our lives to bring about these heavenly results. And among them is patience. Patience is, is the key to living the life of righteousness that we've been called, to overcome uh, frustration and temptation. Uh, it's, it's very weird that we don't talk about temptation in church. We ought to talk about it a lot. Temptation is a big issue in the world that we live in, and being a Christian does not make you immune to it. Temptation exists. You see temptation in the Scripture. The Word says that Jesus himself was tempted with every temptation, every temptation. That'll let the wheels turn, right? But yet he walked in victory over these temptations. When Satan himself tempted Jesus, Jesus overcame those temptations. One of the keys to overcoming temptation is patience, to wait out the temptation, to not allow that, that situation or that circumstance to create compromise, but to be patient to endure and to wait for God's solution. You'll see those things in Matthew chapter 4 and in Luke chapter 4. I'll give you a passage of scripture from the gospel of Luke. It's, it's Luke chapter 21 verse 19. I want to read it to you. Just let these words sink in. It's very short, but it says, in your patience, you possess your soul. That's kind of a, a, an odd statement. I mean, it, it, makes, it provokes a lot of thought. 
Another translation, like the, the translation I read is a New American Standard uh, translation. New American Standard would say, in your patience or, or endurance, in your patience, you gain your lives. It's an interesting thing to, to think about, to hear those words and to just ponder them. I mean, basically what you see here is patience is, is a life or death matter. I mean, if in patience I gain my life, then the opposite then would stand true, that without patience it would be lost. Patience is a really important and vital thing. I mentioned before when we looked at a few things we were going to find, we are going to find what was needed to be fruitful. I want to offer this passage of Scripture to you from Luke chapter 8, verse 15. Now, in Luke chapter 8, Jesus is talking about a farmer who is going out and sowing seed. He's planting the fields, and they talk about the, he talks about excuse me, the different kinds of soil, that some are hard, they've never been plowed, that some have rocks in them, and so the soil is really shallow, that other has a lot of weeds in it. And then there's some soil that has had all the rocks removed, that has been plowed and turned over and is ready to receive, and it has been cultivated and, and maintained so there's no weeds or distractions to steal away resources. And he talks about that soil as being the good soil that produces. Well, that soil is meant to represent my life and your life because of the work of Jesus Christ to soften our heart and the power and the ministry of Jesus by the Holy Spirit in our lives to take out all of the, the points that are shallow and to introduce depth and to, to drive out all the idolatry and the distractions, those things that would steal away resources from what actually matters. And when he's describing that soil, he talks about the seed landing on it, which is the scripture, the word of God, landing on your life and then being productive. And when he's describing that productivity, here's how he describes it. These are the good soil. And with honesty and, and a good heart, they hear the word, they keep the word, and they bring forth fruit with patience. You've got to understand that Jesus is never speaking casually. You know, I mean, he's never like checking his email while he's finishing up a statement where it's like, yeah, uh, that's the good soil. And with honesty and goodness of heart, <clears throat> they, they bring forth uh, fruit with patience. That word with patience being added on the end of there is as important as any word in that entire statement. And the fact that fruitfulness, the word of God being a part of my life active and being productive requires patience causes me to reprioritize patience in my life. I want the Word of God to be a living, active part of my existence. And according to this, it'll require patience. Receiving God's promises requires patience. I'll give you a passage of Scripture. Uh, you can visit the, the entire section in your own time from Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6 describes uh, great men and women from the scripture that you read about in the history of, of uh, uh, the, the word there that God has touched and blessed their lives. They've accomplished great things. And they're described in Hebrews chapter 6 in verse 12. Uh, they're described as individuals that are meant to be followed or, or imitated or mimicked. Be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherited the promises of God. Well, we, we can talk about faith and, and trusting in God and, and believing in God, but without patience, 
we're ill-equipped to actually walk in those promises that we so desire. To see the word actually come to pass in our life. Requiring more than just faith, but requiring patience. Patience being defined as the ability to accept uncomfortable circumstances and situations without becoming angry or annoyed, without becoming anxious. So I want more patience in my life, and God's made a wonderful way for patience to come into my life. I'll give you a passage of Scripture here uh, from Romans, Romans chapter 5. I want to look at verses 1 through 5. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have access to the faith and to the grace that we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, here's where we dial in and we pay very close attention. And we don't only glory in this, but we also glory in our problems. That's not very fun, but yet we're called to actually glory in our problems. And here's why. Knowing that in problems, we work our patience out. That word work means to accomplish or to finish or to perform. And that patience then produces experience. That word experience translates proven character. Have you ever walked through something that was hard to walk through, and when you came out the other side, you were stronger and better for it? Sure you have, because God is raising you up and maturing you. He's bringing you to the mark that Jesus called you to when he said, be mature, just like your heavenly Father is mature. How are we going to get to that point of maturity? We're going to walk through some serious problems, and we're going to get to work out patience and then develop proven character. That proven character then uh, results in hope where we can look upon today's challenges and we can have courage and strength in our heart because we know what we walked through yesterday. That God made a way, that He made provision, that His consolations did bring comfort, that He made good on His word that we read from Isaiah 41, that He wouldn't leave, He wouldn't reject, that He would be near, that He would uphold us by His mighty hand, and that His strength would come and deliver. And now when we face the things we face today, we face it with the hope that resulted from yesterday's victory. I want to close with, with a final passage of Scripture here. One of the things that we were going to find today was the proper perspective for our problems. The challenges we face, the issues we deal with, the proper perspective when we walk through these things. We read part of this verse earlier when we opened up the message, and I want to close with it. From the, the book of James, chapter 1, I want to look at verses 2 through 4. James 1, beginning in verse 2, it's a call to, to all believers. This call to all believers says, count it all joy when you walk into tribulations. That word could be translated temptations. For our vocabulary today, you could just say issues or challenges or problems. Count it all joy when you see these things, knowing that it will try your faith and that will work patience and allow patience to have her perfect work that you might be perfect, that you might be complete, and that you might be lacking nothing. 
Remember when we opened, we, we made the statement, if you could offer completion and perfection and the complete and total absence of lack for a person's life, would that be desirable? Well, the answer is obviously, absolutely yes. That's very desirable. And now we see how God's bringing this desirable thing into our lives. By introducing challenges and issues, the things that would produce things like anxiety and annoyance and anger if there's an absence of patience. But when we can walk through these trials and these issues and these problems with patience, patience then produces the perfection that Jesus would call us to. The ability to have our patience worked out through these trials and these tribulations produces this maturity inside of us that God has called us to. And so the proper perspective when dealing with these things, and we all deal with these things, is to see every challenge as an opportunity to grow. Every issue as an opportunity to mature. Every problem as an opportunity to move closer to the perfection that God is bringing into our lives every single day. I'm no different than you. My phone rings. You, you work with people. You, you have children. You have all kinds of opportunity for there to be challenge and issue and problem. I check my mail too. I see all of the things that, that are, are trying to introduce anger and annoyance and frustration into my life. But I understand that God, through the introduction of patience by the Holy Spirit, is at work. And that that annoyance and that frustration that is attempting to come in is really a phenomenal opportunity for me to grow. And if we can adopt the mentality that the things that we walk through are the opportunities that God has ordained and placed in our life for us to grow and mature, I think we can walk through those things, supporting one another with the patience and the endurance that God's called us to. And according to the word, I believe that we'll all love the results that we get, that it brings about in us that perfection that we've been called to, that maturity that we're being raised into, that which is complete, and lacks nothing. I want to ask you to stand with me on this wonderful Mother's Day. I want to pray and I want to ask God to do a, a, a really powerful and profound work in our hearts and in our minds. And I want you to understand that the, the prayer that I want to offer is a, a really risky thing to pray. When I say risky, not that God may or may not respond, but that you need to know what you'd be getting into. I mean, when you see the importance of patience and you see the keys to being fruitful and, and inheriting the promises of God and you see the, the result being maturity, a, a completion and lacking nothing, it's very desirable to say, I want that. But then when we see how it comes into our life, well, patience enters into our life through the opportunity that is Trouble, problems, circumstances and situations that are uncomfortable and undesirable. It's very important to realize what we're asking for when we ask God to increase patience in our lives. I think that he's extremely willing to bring opportunity for you to be patient. I think that your life is filled with opportunity to be patient. 
If it's not, just look to the person sitting next to you. They, they've got some opportunities they could offer you. We're surrounded by people. People have problems and challenges and issues. But we walk in the poise of Jesus Christ. The stability of mind and heart to, to look upon those challenges and not be swept away with panic and anxiety, but to look upon those challenges and trust that God will reveal the solution. And all we need to do is be patient. Listen for His counsel in His direction. Not be moved into any compromise, but to be steadfast, to hold, and to know that He will bring His Word to pass. So I want to pray and I want to ask God to, to alter our perspective here as we see the things that we deal with and face, that we might be a patient people and have the results of living a patient life. You're welcome to be in agreement as we pray or simply in a state of receiving as God simply blesses you with the opportunities to be patient. But I want to pray now. Father, we bless your name and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the call upon our lives to grow and to mature for the opportunities that you have made a way for, for that growth and that maturity to take place. Will you let there be an effect even right now in our hearts and our minds, an awareness and an understanding of what is going on around us when we face trial and tribulation, challenge, issue, problem, no matter what we call it, let it be seen as opportunity to grow to reveal Jesus to this world through our words and our actions. Let us put down roots in your kingdom and in your word that would anchor us steady, that we wouldn't be swept away by panic and anxiety. And let our hearts be softened and our minds be renewed, that there be no room for anger and annoyance. But that we would have an awareness and a compassion, a graciousness about us when we face challenge and when we face problems. To know that you are at work. That we would come to a place of maturity. Seeing that your hand is moving in our lives. That you're growing us. That you're introducing that proven character that brings about testimony. That's evangelistic and draws those around us into your kingdom. As they see our strength and our stability, let it testify of your goodness. And let it bring about the expansion to your house. We ask for patience, that we might be fruitful, that we would be productive, that we would be those who would receive and walk in your promises. And let us cast down old ways of anxiety and annoyance. For all of us that would be prone to anger, let anger be renounced. To all of us who would be prone to anxiety, let anxiety be released that according to your scripture, we would lay it at your feet because you care for us. And let the awareness of your work in our hearts and in our minds prevail over our entire being, that we would begin to sound like you, look like you, behave and function like you, think like you in everything we do. As Jesus would call us to be just like you, let it be so as patience prevails in our attitudes, our thoughts, our actions, our words, let patience bring about the transformation 
that makes us into your likeness. We bless your name and we thank you. And we celebrate the results of victory upon victory as you fulfill your word and deliver us from every trial and every tribulation. We give you thanks and we rejoice in you. And we trust and believe that your hand is at work in our lives, leading us, guiding us, delivering us, molding us and shaping us in the way in which you would raise us up. Let that work bring about maturity, that you be honored and glorified as we continue to grow as your children. We bless your name and thank you in Jesus' name. And all the saints declared, Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.